In today's podcast, we have special guest speaker Manuel Bersiman, former mayor and city council member of Watsonville. He is the current director for student support services at Hartnell College. Manuel discusses the impact COVID-19 has had on the Latino community and the 2020 election results. We've been doing our best to serve students there at the TRIO program, even though we're remote. It's been challenging, though, because the students... Many of the new students had never even been in the TRIO offices. It's that kind of year. And we recruited all of them remotely, so I can't say I've even met some of them, even though we've been serving them for the last almost six months now. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that far back? Yeah. Let's see, from June for the last, at least the last four and a half, almost five months, because we recruited them way back in June. So that's been challenging trying to serve students that we've never met in person. Yeah, I can imagine because it's it's easier to connect with these students and establish that connection when you're, it's face-to-face, but you're very much limited doing it through remotely over the internet. Yes, it is challenging. But the good thing is that <laughs> I still have a good staff. Norma's, Norma's still there. I have a good assistant and I have another counselor. And I have a couple student workers. So even though we're not giving the students face-to-face services, the students do appreciate when we text them, call them, get online with them. And, you know, it's, we, even, we even still do the parent meetings. We're doing everything we can to help them as first-generation college students. Nice. So when you do those meetings, is it like through Zoom? Yes, Yes, I can't say we're expert at it, but we do meetings with parents on Zoom, and my counselors do counseling meetings on Zoom, and we text them and we call them on the phone. I even send them letters through the mail to try to encourage them. So every form of communication possible we use, and we even we still lend people books, so they still come to the campus to get the books and then for the students that live down there in King City and Greenfield I'll I'll even go down and and personally deliver books oh wow going great lengths that's that's really great yeah we have to do our best because you know when you were here at Hartnell it was always great because you would come to the office and and we had a place for students to come and meet other students and feel supported these students have most of them have never even been to the college because right now the college is closed. Yeah. So we have to go to them either through the internet, through the phone, or like, for example, through me driving books down and giving them to them in King City, Greenfield, Soledad. So it's been a challenge. We're doing the best we can. Yeah. So when does Hartnell expect to reopen? Our president has made the decision to open up the campus for the students who have bad Wi-Fi and for students that, you know, they just don't have a good internet connection to get ready for their finals. We're going to, we're going to open up that opportunity on November 30th. And we are going to provide some services to students who need to turn in paperwork to financial aid and the admissions office probably in December. And then in the spring, we're going to keep doing that because what we're finding is that a lot of students, they don't have good Wi-Fi in their houses because they have a bunch of brothers and sisters that are 
still in elementary, middle, and high school, and when you have a whole bunch of people on Wi-Fi, it slows it down. You've also probably seen it on the news, like, what, a few months ago, some little girls that were attending elementary school still were in front of the Taco Bell here in Salinas trying to access the Wi-Fi to attend their classes. And then that made national news. Yes, I did see that. And a lot of us here at the college think that the connection issues are even worse down the 101 highway at the cities of Chular, Gonzales, Soledad, Greenfield. And then Alejandro Hardnell College Service Area even goes down to those small towns called San Lucas and San Ardo, which are almost like villages. The college is going to try to help those people who have bad Wi-Fi starting on November 30th in our study halls because we know they're getting ready for finals. So believe it or not, it's going to be the first time we've officially had students on campus since March. Wow. We're talking almost eight months. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It is. It's the most insane thing I've ever gone through. And for people that are devoted to their students, it's been a real test. Cause, yeah, I bet. Because we get more motivated when we see you guys face to face. We're always happy to see you. And you know, we've always been happy to see the other students that have come into the program. Sometimes when we communicate with students on Zoom, they're for whatever reasons, they're not even showing their face. So we have to imagine we have to imagine what they look like and who they are. <laughs> yeah. In trio, as we used to take pictures of all the students and then we used to put a picture in their file. That way when we pulled the file, we could visualize who they were and who they looked like as we gradually connected their face to a name. Yeah. But now we can't do that. Yeah. So we have to imagine what they look like. Wow. I've never seen them. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Now we got rid of that clown Trump, right? So yes. hopefully Joe Biden can speed things up. Yes, we need to reunite the country and we need to bring those people back who even now, as we speak, still believe that Trump won and that Biden stole the election. Alejandro, it feels like there's two Americas and one says they can't live in the same America with the other. And I've never seen that in my life. I've never seen where people say, if you don't accept my version of America, then leave because my version is the right one. I've, I've never seen that before. So yeah. it's actually very concerning to me because I'm a student of history and the only other time that I can remember reading in history where we had a country, an America, where the two versions could not live together was the American Civil War. And some people say that it almost feels like a civil war. People don't, people who don't know history, they don't know that first civil war. It killed like 600,000 people. Yeah, the most casualties throughout any other war the U.S. has waged. Exactly. Or, this is going to be a dramatic way to say it, or three years of the COVID pandemic deaths. Oh, yeah. I heard we're up to 230,000 deaths, and it's surging. I mean, right now, it's actually America's breaking records for the amount of COVID infections. We're still months from a vaccine. That's a dramatic way to say it, isn't it? Yes. 230,000 deaths for one year alone, 
And if we don't find us a cure, we might have the same, if not more, next year. So that's pretty frightening. And Alejandro, as because I know you're well read, it's hit the Latino community the hardest. Yes, yes. and we yeah. know from living in Monterey County that a lot of our community they work in the fields. They're considered essential at the college. Most of the workers, for example, and I'm sure this is the same for Cal State Monterey Bay, they're working remotely because they can. But you can't work remotely if you're harvesting the broccoli, cauliflower, strawberries. They have to be there. And then when they go home at night, a lot of them, they have to live in crowded conditions because the rent's so high here in Monterey County. So it's a real crisis time for our community. And also... I'm really worried about the kids in school. I'm worried about if they're able to even learn because it must be hard for some of them to learn online. They don't have their teacher right next to them. They don't have their peers, fellow students right next to them. There's no recess. There's no PE. All the things that keep them motivated, right? You brought up some excellent points here about the struggles throughout all communities, especially the Latinos. And during this pandemic, and it's insane, I never thought about that before. You're right, like these kids, they're going to be, they're not going to be as able to soak up the knowledge and education that they're receiving remotely versus class, because in class, they're going to have that immediate help whenever they need a problem to be solved or they got lost or they just need a review, then they can't just say, hey, teacher, I need help over here. Like they, they have to go through a process of emailing them or maybe even asking them. They can just ask them through the Zoom because there's that chat, but it's just not going to be the same having that human interaction That because having that person right next to you, is they, it gives them more assurance that they can always go for them for help. But what you just said earlier, most of these students don't really like to show their faces in these Zoom meetings. I've noticed that too. I don't, I don't know. You just have to imagine their faces. And for teachers too, it's going to be a struggle for them because they don't know if, because after talking to several students, they're probably going to just think, I don't know, that they're talking to a bot maybe because they're not seeing their faces. They, they can't attach a name to a face. And I think you know that When you're in a classroom and you're face-to-face, you have the opportunity to form a a bond, a human bond with your teacher, or if you're the teacher, with your student. And if you've never met that student, how can you form a human bond? I told Norma when the COVID pandemic first started and the school started to close, I told her, I'm really worried because our community, most of us come from immigrant families which makes most of us first generation to school. So I said, now that the students have been advanced, and this was like around June, the COVID remote learning had started in March. So we already went through March, April, May, and then it was announced that we were going to be doing distance learning again in the summer. And then they announced it later in the fall. And I said to Norma, this year, it might be a lost year where our students aren't going to really progress that much. And then Irma, she tried to calm me down and she said, Manuel, it's going to be a different year. I don't know if it's a lost year or a different year yet because we won't know until the fall grades. Because how does a teacher change their grading because of COVID? Do they grade easier? Do they grade with more flexibility? 
do they grade the same that as they've graded and they taught for 20 years? Will teachers grade harder? So that's a huge challenge. Norma did teach. She, she taught a class. She taught our, our counseling one class, and she's going through the same thing. How do you grade when you haven't seen half your students because they haven't appeared in Zoom? Or like you at Hartnell, you were a top student. You're a Phi Theta Kappa student. And probably because your instructors also thought that you were engaged, you were active, you answered questions, you asked questions. So how do you show that? on a Zoom screen, especially if you're one of those students that, for whatever reason, you don't like to turn on your cam. So that's the huge challenge, I think, for the teachers is how are you going to grade? And I think that's when we'll find out, Alejandro, if this was a lost semester. And what I mean by that is, did they learn much? Yeah. It has me concerned. And we Latinos, we're still fighting to become educated. Our parents came here to work, most of them. And so we're the first generation that had the chance to go to school. That's why we're called first generation. So for the first generation students to, to go through this kind of year, I, th I think is a crisis, but I don't have any answers. I, all I do is go to work and try to help my college students. And when we have a chance to talk to the parents, try to explain to the parents what they can do to help their students through their first year of college. And, but you can hear the concern in my words. This has been a, a real year of concern for me. And then, Alejandro, we're not even talking about the threat of COVID itself. We're talking about the effects right. and the impact it has on our yes. society. Yes. And uh, here's a great example. My family usually comes together for Thanksgiving. And we usually, everybody makes a special dish and we get together at my sister's house. We already know we're not doing that this year. And I haven't seen my sister, the person that I normally go to for Thanksgiving. I haven't seen her probably in about six or seven weeks. So that's different. And then for all the Latino families that normally get together, I mean, that's got to be difficult. I, I know some families still get together, but a lot of families are not because we hear count. We live in Monterey County and Monterey County is still at the purple, which means infections are widespread. And then also, I hear that California is going through a surge of infections. So it's very unusual for Latino families not to get together for the holidays. Totally agree, yeah. The first one is, look at Halloween. For the first time in years, I didn't have a single kid knock on my door. And then I called my sister and I said, did you have any kids go by your house? She said, no. I called my cousin. Did you have any kids knock on your door? They said, no. So I've never seen that before. And then not to be able to get together for Thanksgiving. And then here comes the holiday season too. So I think we're all battling a little bit of depression because this is a year unlike any other year we've ever seen. That's another challenge too. So, you know, I think this year's been a really very difficult year and we're still trying to figure it out. What keeps me going is people like you who are still progressing. And then people that we sent last year, they transferred in June not last year, but just this last June. So Alejandro, they all transferred, but nobody left. They're all taking their Calcium Monterey Bay classes or their UC Merced classes or their UC Santa Cruz classes. They're taking their classes in their living rooms. Alejandro, you remember 
when you transfer from Hartnell, usually students, they're going to spend two to three years physically at the university. We have students, they, they did transfer, but they haven't even set one foot on the campus. It's just weird. Yeah. I agree. It, it really is because part of that, I guess you can call it rite of passage, like of transferring is actually physically going to that new school that they were accepted into. So to them though, to be on their computers in their living rooms, it's just as if they were back in Harnell because I'm pretty sure before the pandemic didn't get out of hand until March. And that's when all the schools in the U.S. were forced to do social distance learning. So it's just, they're missing out on that college experience. And part of the college experience is just going around and familiarizing yourself with your school and getting to see the different faces that make up that college too. These colleges are really diverse. So they're just going to be guessing, especially when they're in classes, most of these students are not even going to show their faces. So they themselves have to imagine how their classmates may look like. And you're right. And I think also when you transfer, you mature, you grow up. Because as Hartnell, we weren't all that diverse. You know, we were like 70% mm -hmm. Latino. And the universities that most of the students go to, they're much more diverse. So I think you grow up when you transfer and, and then you have to go to a university where I think that's where they get the word university is it's like a, a constellation of different people that come from different oh, places. Yeah. So when you don't have that experience, that's tough. And Alejandro, let's say that they yeah. come up with a vaccine by the summer and that's, let's say they have the vaccine and our students that transferred this last September, let's say they actually leave for the university instead of two to three years, they're only going to have maybe one to two years because they would have spent the first year mm -hmm. at the university studying in their living room. So that's a weird thing too. It is. But I keep telling my staff and I keep telling the people that I work with, we just have to have faith because this year is the kind of year that if you don't have faith, you know, however you want to describe faith in a God or faith in hope, I don't see how we can make it because the year's been a year of bad news from COVID to the Black Lives Matter movement and seeing all the, the fights on television between the people who want the old way and the people who see the need for a new way. That's been tough yeah. too. And the hard part, Alejandro, is both sides feel justified. The, the people that feel that racial justice is something that we need and that this country is ready for, they feel justified. And the people who feel that movement is causing instability in the nation, they want America to be what it was. They feel just as justified, and we've been watching that for a long time now, not just this year, for a long time. So that's been tough, too, seeing America oh, yeah. at war with itself. Because one thing, one thing that gets me is when you hear one group, they'll say, we Americans, we feel this way. And then the other group will say, we Americans, we feel that way. So both groups are Americans, and yet 
the version of America that they believe in is like totally opposite. And that's what we're waiting for now. After this election, one group says Biden's the new president. The other group says, no, Trump's still the president. And we have to stop you guys from stealing his election. That's crazy. That's crazy to watch. Yeah. I've never seen that before. Usually when somebody wins the presidency, the the person who loses it, they'll make a call and they'll say, hey, congratulations, I lost. But I don't know if they fake it, but they'll say, you're the president now. I support you and I'll do everything I can to make a, a smooth transition. I've never seen a president say, you stole the campaign from me. I'm not going to let you. I'm going to sue you. And all the people who have power under Trump, they're saying the same thing. We believe Trump, he's right. You guys are trying to steal the election. We're not going to let you. And I've never seen that. Never seen that at all. Yeah. Despite even losing to that person, you still acknowledge, like, you acknowledge him as an actual rival but you lost to him. And so they have, I guess they're showing sportsmanship, like telling him like all oh, this now, I support you. Congratulations. You're the new president. But Donald Trump, on the other hand, though, he's a real character. He's, <laughs> that's the simplest way to put it. Like he's, he's trying to transform America into something that it's not. And honestly, I don't even think he should have won in 2016 to begin with, because as we know it, like Hillary won the, the popular votes. She won more popular votes than Trump did. Trump had the electoral college votes. He should have never been president. That's my own opinion. It's just sad to see that there's just a lot of people that think that America should be this way. Like, I understand where they're coming from, but then again, it doesn't give them the right to be jerks, to be racist, to be all those negative things. It's just, and then of course, with the other side too, you have your own radicals there, the looters, the rioters and such, but you know, they're just trying to express their own frustrations that they want to see change happen. So uh, we, like you said, we just got to hope that Joe Biden is able to unite everyone so that we can get back on track and knock out this pandemic and hopefully pass more reforms to satisfy the like you said there's two different americas those african americans that feel that they need to have justice because the system has failed them over and over throughout time and we've just we've seen this happen not just in the recent decades, but throughout U.S. history. I've heard this phrase, America's original sin is race. And when America's founding fathers came, like the pilgrims who we learn about in school, they came to find religious freedom and they wanted to start a country of their own. And I think that's what we celebrate. The only problem is that some of the folks that came they decided we want to make a new life in America, but we don't want to do the hard work. So they started to import the, the African slaves. And once they imported African slaves, then that's when the original sin of America began because America has been a country that they have used other people as slaves. And that's what, 400 years old now, the descendants of those slaves that they brought over, 
they're the ones that are saying that America, they need to repent from that original sin of bringing all these African-Americans over. And, you know, that's another reason why we had the Civil War. After a while, Abraham Lincoln, he decided, I want to make this also a war to free the slaves. And, and he did. But when the South lost, a lot of people think that the Southern people, they still feel justified in the lifestyle that they were trying to live. And, and sometimes when I see those folks marching in the South, I can't help but think those are the like the great, maybe just great grandkids of those guys that felt justified to, to fight the Civil War on the South of the Confederacy. And then when you see the African-Americans, I think those are the great grandkids of the slaves. You know, in a way, we're, we're still fighting that civil war. And then America, of course, their racial attitudes, they extend past the African-Americans because the Mexican-American War, those of us that study history, even the white leaders, many of them felt that was an unjust war. They just wanted to take half of Mexico away. And I'm thinking there has been a, a series of sins against people of color. And I, I don't know, but I, I keep hoping that maybe this Black Lives Matter movement is an, an effort to finally address at least one of those sins. I, I don't know. I don't know if, if it is. We'll see. But, you know, when I looked at the marches, I saw a lot of African-Americans, but I also saw a lot of people from other ethnicities and they were marching, too saying that Black Lives Matter, yeah. and I thought, is is America finally ready to face the original sin of race? I don't know, Alejandro. I'm still trying to figure it out, man. I don't know either. You would think that Joe Biden would have won by a landslide in the election, but it was pretty close, honestly. Like, it could have turned either way, but luckily it was in favor of Joe Biden. But I'm not trying to say that all the... Trump supporters are racist because, of course, there's going to be certain Latino voters, some African-American voters that wanted Trump to remain president. But I want to say at least more than half of those have some prejudice against people of color. No, Alejandro, it's been a mystery to me because I don't always see my cousins, but I go on Facebook and a lot of my cousins were pro-Trump. And I didn't want this election to divide me between my friends and family. So when I would say, when I would see that they were for Trump on Facebook, I, I really did not say anything to them. And I, I know that they could tell that I was not for Trump because the things that I posted on Facebook were not. I think I posted something to you last night of that football game where you see Trump, Trump being tackled. When I posted that, it went out to all my Facebook friends, which includes a lot of my cousins and Alejandro, former students who were for Trump. And actually, things got hot. I remember reading some of the comments between my friends and family where somebody would post something that was anti-Trump and they would friends would attack other friends for posting stuff like that. And I'm thinking, wow, this, this really does feel like the Civil War. And I think that Trump, we've never had a president like that. A lot of people are proud of him because they'd say he may be an asshole, but he's our asshole and we prefer him. And then the Basically. QAnon thing, QAnon, such a weird conspiracy. And then yeah. a student of history, there's one other person that I can remember that was really good at propaganda and turning one group against another because of fear and really promoted division. 
And that, I could be describing Trump, but that other person that I've seen in history, of course, that, that was Hitler. And Hitler also promoted divisions amongst the people and fear amongst the people. And I, I've just never seen a president like that before, which for me made it an easy decision to vote against him. But Alejandro, as you well know, 70 million people voted for Trump. Yeah, that's insane. That's what I'm saying. I'm mystified too. And a lot of them were my family, my cousins. Some of them were my former students. And some of them would actually repeat some of the propaganda. Oh, Biden's a socialist and Trump's a Christian. And Trump, he was sent by God to end things like abortion. And Biden's going to start abortion. And I'm reading through that. And I think the propaganda has really gotten through on both sides. Yeah, but that's why I thought, you know has. what, that's another reason why we have to get our people educated, because I've always thought the more education you have, the better you are at learning what the real truth is, and not just accepting things like QAnon, or, or that Biden is a communist. And then Trump, I'd have to say too, that I don't believe Trump is evil, I just believe that he's greedy. His motivations are self-serving, but that self-serving personality can cause, you know, what he's causing now, which is greater division amongst Americans. Yeah, that self-serving goal or whatever you want to call it, it's very destructive. Like, he just wants to remain president for the obvious reasons, all the benefits that it comes with it, the merits and all that. And not only that, but before I used to think of him as stupid, but then again, like it, he became president and I don't think he is stupid. He, he knows what he's doing and he's doing it all for himself. That's just what's sad about him. He doesn't care about us. He certainly doesn't care about African-Americans. He'll tell any lie to retain his power, even if it's saying, oh, I'm the only president that has done so much for the Latino community, the African-American community. It's just insane that people would believe that, too. I've been trying to figure him out, too. And there's two things that I've learned by watching him. The first thing is, if you say anything enough, people will start to believe it, especially if you're president. If you remember, he started his campaign saying Mexico sent their worst people to the United States. They're rapists, they're drug dealers. We need a wall to stop the worst that Mexico's sending us. And he said it, he said it so many times that I think a lot of people, after a while, they said, yeah, Mexico's, they're sending us their worst. We need that wall. And then people contributed to the wall. People actually formed militias. And then the other thing I learned is that if you really want to motivate people to vote, you got to scare them. You don't tell them things like, we need more affordable housing, or things like, we need to fight the deterioration of the environment. What you do if you want people to vote is you say to them, if you vote for the Democrats, what's going to happen is it's going to turn America into a socialist, communist country. You scare people. That fear seems to be a greater motivator than any other thing you can say to get people to vote. That is very true. I'm pretty sure you've already read, but I guess in this election, 
there have been more registered voters than yes. any other because people are afraid of Trump remaining as president. Joe Biden, he didn't have to tell us, like, if you vote for Trump, then you're basically for racism. He didn't have to do all that. We already witnessed what Trump has been doing these last four years, him being president. We're afraid of what else he, he might do or might take away from pulling us out from the Paris Treaty to this COVID thing. Like, he didn't take it serious from the start. And he's still downplaying it even after he was infected. Whether or not if it's true, he's still downplaying it to this day. And it's really sad because you already brought up the statistics. By the next two years, the U.S. is expected to have this much casualties. And it's really sad because we could have done something to lower that the number, the numbers. But here we have this clown of a president who thinks it's still a hoax. And a lot of people believe him. So those are the two things I learned. If you, if you repeat anything enough times, people will believe it. And the other thing I learned by watching Trump is if you want people to vote a certain way, then you want to use fear as a greater motivator to get people to vote than anything positive. So I'm, I'm thinking the only other person that I can remember that used those two laws of, of how to get people to follow you once again was Hitler. Because I've studied the World War II and the buildup. And of course, Hitler, he repeated a lot of lies and his people. Alejandro, Germany was considered the greatest country in Europe of all the countries there during that time of Hitler. They had great inventors. Their culture was a lot like America because Germany has sent a lot of people to come and live in America. So a lot of our leaders were German and and we actually have a very similar culture. But Germany, once Hitler came to power, he started telling lies about the Jews and how they were terrible people and why the Jews had cost Germany World War One because they backstabbed Germans. And if you look at the documentary movies, you'll see Hitler. He'll be speaking to his people. And they go crazy for him. They believe every single word. Didn't he say something similar to what Trump said? Yes, that he, he would make Germany great Because again? the Germans had suffered. I think when they lost World War I, the allies like the U.S. and France and Russia, I think they said that they had to pay the world $30 billion to pay for that war. Of course, that made Germany very poor. Once they subtracted all that money they had to give to the other countries, and that made Germany's people suffer. So when you had a Hitler, and he came in and says, we're going to make Germany great again, and he started to build up their military again. And, of course, that put people back to work. And then I can't say I'm, I'm enough of a student of history to know why they were afraid of the Jews. But I do know in Europe, the Jews were considered very educated. So they were the lawyers and the business people and the judges. And maybe Hitler was saying that the Jews controlled everything. As long as they're in control, we won't have any power. And, and then he started making everybody afraid of them. 
I, I don't want to see Hitler and Trump, but because I've studied history so much, I couldn't help but think, you know what? This guy reminds me of a dictator. And for him now to say, I'm not leaving the presidency, I won. That just makes me feel, yep, that's the definition of a dictator. You can't force him out as long as he feels he has the power to stay, especially when he has all the people who are working for him also say to him, yeah, we believe in you. You don't have to leave. We're not going anywhere. So Alejandro, to be perfectly honest to you, I'm, I'm actually afraid. What's it going to take for Biden to take power from a person that doesn't want to leave? And then we, and then both sides have 70 million people plus saying that Trump is right, the election was stolen. Then you have the Biden people saying, no, we won fair and square. Alejandro, I've never seen anything like that in my lifetime. And the only other times I've seen that is in other countries where they do break out in civil war. And that's scary. I hope it doesn't go there. People have predicted that if Trump had lost this lawyer, his lawyer, uh, Michael Cohen, he said in the spring that if Trump loses, he's not leaving. And I thought, how can that be? The election was so close that Trump, he may believe in his mind that he did win. And he seems to be such a self-centered guy that if he thinks he's justified and if these other folks support him, he's going to want to stay. And, you know, Alejandro, I think he's still going to be president for another, what, 60 days. His official last day is mm -hmm. January 20th, 2021. So he has he has 60 days legally to say that he's the president. He can do a lot of damage in those 60 days. What I've shared sounds really negative, but I'll share you the positive like you. People who I saw come into Hartnell, you were an excellent student during your time there. You took advantage of every opportunity. You came out a top student, Phi Theta Kappa student, and you went up to Sacramento to receive that award as one of the top students in the state. All academic team. All academic. What was it? The All-Star all Academic Team yes. of 2000. You went, you went up there and, 16, and, I think. and you earned that. No. Yeah. So to communicate with you now as you continue to progress, that's what gives me hope. No matter what we're going through now, that you're going to see uh, a way to endure it, become stronger for it. And then in the future, we'll be looking to you as a leader. That's what gives me hope. Even though I've painted a, a dark present, what gives me hope is you and some other people that you and I both know who who also had that quality of leadership. Yeah, it's all thanks to you. It's thanks to Trio. You gave us such great guidance. Like, honestly, like I was still considering enlisting in, into the Marine Corps after receiving a bachelor's, but obviously I've changed my mind since then. Like I've grown. Like you said, college is about maturing. And I honestly didn't see myself going to grad school last year but now i do want to continue my education i want to keep going perhaps even achieve a phd who knows for now though i definitely want to get my master's degree and i want to concentrate in chicano studies because i'm very passionate about that yeah the good news is really great a lot of school districts are deciding to implement ethnic studies in the district, I think I shared with you that I live in Watsonville and my school district just decided 
that they're going to implement a requirement of ethnic studies. If enough school districts decide to do that, there's definitely going to be a need for people with master's degrees in all the different ethnic studies, Chicano studies, Asian American studies, African American studies. So I guess another place of hope is, thank God we live in California. I wouldn't want to live in any other state but California during these crazy times because we have our own issues, but at least we don't have the issue of not knowing what we stand for as a state. Yeah, exactly. As a whole, yeah. Just to think that people like you are maturing enough to see your place in the world, that's what gives me hope. Even in the darkness that I feel sometimes, I think there's some shining lights out there and you're one of them. So that's what gives me hope. Yeah, the reason why we shine so bright is because, like I said, you guys polished us so well. You gave us such great guidance, and we're going to continue shining, and we're going to continue pulling through, because that's what it means being a Chicano, Latino, Hispanic. We've always endured hard times, but we learned from others in our communities, especially our parents, to persevere, to never give up, to always continue, even when you're at your lowest, because for the longest, we have been at the lowest in in the work class, education, and that's what makes us shine more brighter. We've always proven that we can always bounce back up yes. from anything. We, we are a great people. And as you remember, Trio was mostly Mexican-American. And I always looked at Trio as a partnership between me and Norma, because Norma Nichols has been with me 12 out of the almost... 15 years that we've been in existence and Norma and I, the way we look at students was with a lot of love for the students. I think I shared with you that I think Trump's motivation is greed, but I think our motivation for what we tried to do with the students has always been a love of the students. And I think that's what's going to help us get through as a people is love for our community. And even for those Mexican-Americans that voted for Trump. Yes. Because I heard there was a lot of them, Alejandro. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have a few cousins. I know one cousin who is pro-Trump and yeah. probably have and a actually, few And actually, some of my younger friends, they they were telling me, I don't even want to talk to my friends that were for Trump anymore. And I told them, don't do that, because if you do that, then Trump really has succeeded. Because what we have is much greater than what divides us. And a lot of the Latinos that voted for Trump, they're really religious I noticed that a lot of them feel oh, like yeah. Trump is a Me Christian. Too. And even though he's not perfect, he was sent by God to to stop some things that the Christians feel are sins. So I told one friend in particular, I said, don't stop communicating with our friends and family that went for Trump because we're still Latinos and we have a bigger fight. Trump's only like a speed bump. Yeah, we have a bigger fight that, that we true. have to win against poverty against look at what COVID's done to our community. It exposed the health risk. And then education, in my opinion, the biggest yeah. fight of all is to educate our people. So I told them, don't cut them off because hopefully Trump is just the first of, of a speed bump. There's going to be other speed bumps because Trump is going to leave a lot of followers, but we have to keep united because we have to lift our community up. Thank you again for joining my podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been an honor. I've always looked up to you and I've always sought your guidance. And I hope that the people listening to this, it gives them new perspectives.
And not just because we provided a lot of negative insights to our current situation, but out of all this, we can still look forward to. I got to tell you, it's been a a pleasure to talk to you again, too, because I could count on one hand the amount of students that came into TRIO. And I think I always remind you of this. We didn't come to you. You came to us and you were the very first student of the year that we created that cohort. And not only did you do well, you became a, an academic star. And it's just been really, you know, great to see you transfer and progress and mature. Like I said, you're a shining star in this darkness. And every time one of our students tells me that they're thinking of grad school, that makes me happy because that means that you guys are going to be able to continue to learn and mature. That only makes you stronger. And that's that's a wonderful thing when you guys say on your own decision, that's where you see yourself doing next. And I think that's great. So make sure if you need a letter recommendation for me, hit me up, okay? Because I'm surely ready to write it. You'll be the first one, man. Thanks again. Thank you for everything that you've done. Like, I truly appreciate it. And if it weren't for you, if it weren't for Trio, if it weren't for Norma, if it weren't for Nancy or even Eva, I would have dropped out of school and probably just who knows? I'm just glad that I never gave up and that you guys never gave up on me. And I know you guys will continue doing good and the best yes, that you we can will. Because for your students. Us, even the ones that we've never met, they are like you. And that's what keeps us going because even though we didn't get to know them as well as we normally do, I know that there's Alejandros in this group. And, and I know that there are young women in this group too that are like you in terms of wanting to do good. So... It's just a challenge that we've never met some of them in person, but we're motivated because we know that there are some diamonds in this group, just like you were a diamond when we knew you, and you continue to be a diamond as well, Alejandro. So I'll be praying for you and your family, man, and I wish you guys, you know, happy holidays. Stay in touch, man. Stay in touch. Likewise, I will. Thank you, Manuel. That concludes the podcast. Thank you for tuning into Chicon X Nation. Until the next episode. Peace.